Hello and welcome to the Stelby Auto Show. I'm Sean Smith and I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Sam Green. Hello. And making his first appearance of 2022, the one, the only, James Montgomery Montesaurus Rex. Hello, hello. Such a long time no speak, guys. And as always, what a pleasure it is for you to have me here today. Indeed, it is, my friend. Um, we've got a bit of a, a special one today. We've got a, a little bit, you know, we're going to park motorsport and all the, it's, it's too much fun, motorsport. It's too, it's too much high octane. Get it? High octane. Uh, <laughs> today, funny. we're going to be talking about alternative fuel technology and stuff like that, basically. So, alternative fuel, for people who have li listened to us in the past, we've discussed this a couple of times, but, uh, for those who, uh, quite literally live in the desert or under a rock uh, an alternative fuel is something which isn't made from fossil fuels and therefore is good for polar bears uh, allegedly <laughs> allegedly yeah 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 exactly <laughs> allegedly um but uh yeah just adding on to that so from uh alternative fuels i mean there's so many varieties of it at the moment isn't there i mean you've got um natural gas propane hydrogen alcohols ethanol methanol butanol um vegetable oils and of course electric vehicles as well um waste deprived oils as well um there's so many different alternatives out there now and uh i think it's safe to say with what's going on particularly in europe at the moment and fuel prices spiking up once more i think the question on everyone's mind is is this now a good opportunity to utilize and fast forward that shift to alternative fueled vehicles so obviously in the last decade really alternative fuels evs as they're more generally known as um have started to pick up a little bit we've seen obviously tesla with their stupid cars i, I was thinking about this when i was in the car and i was like why have tesla got, got such a stupid um naming scheme it's so inconsistent but yeah it doesn't really make much sense does it i mean it kind of goes with uh, their nature that they are by um you could almost call them a, an erratic company, which is quite fitting because Nicholas Tesla was somewhat erratic as well. But yeah. um, the, the thing I've always loved about Tesla is uh, their different modes within the car. So, you know, you have your normal mode, sports mode, etc. And then if you want to take off all the traction control, ABS, and have full leash of your uh, electric power, they call it berserk mode. So um, it's kind of consistent with just them as a company, I would say, actually. The reason I spoke about Tesla is because they have been the uh, the poster child, really, in the electric car scene. Um, obviously, they didn't invent the electric car. Uh, that was well, the electric car is older than most internal combustion engines and formats. Um, you know, we had them well over a hundred years ago, but uh, due to the cheap price of oil, as it, as that became petroleum, the electric car became rather backwards in in terms of its ability. Absolutely, yeah. No, um, I think uh, that that has always uh, been the main thing is consumer demand. And typically consumers want the most easiest and convenient thing to get their hands on and uh, to maintain. And well, back in uh, 1890, when the first electric vehicle was um, conceived, yes, it was great, but it was only re it was reliant on wires. It needed to have a permanent connection to uh, things kind of like what you see with electric train lines and so forth. So uh, from that context, it was very restrictive in where it could go. Um, they were great for cities and for towns, but uh, if you wanted to go from city to another city, then, well, no, that just wasn't convenient there at all. Um, and our, hence... Our favourite source, Wikipedia, uh, mm -hmm. Robert Anderson is often credited with inventing the first electric car sometime between 1832 and 1839. So that is a long time ago. That's even further before then uh, what I was thinking then. Hmm. Ah, yes, no, that is a long time ago. Oh, but he's British, so it's okay. Sean was a mere nipper. <laughs> I, was my, I was in my prime. <laughs> um, so, obviously, electric cars don't all come in the same flavour as Monty has already said with alternative fuels um obviously these days the go-to is what's called a battery electric vehicle um, which is quite literally just a giant rc car in terms of its uh its infrastructure um, yeah. 
but you can or have there there are multiple ways you can generate electricity um you can do it through hydrogen fuel cells you can <laughs> you can do it with, with with um internal combustion engines if you really want to um yeah. but uh it's the fact is that at the moment the battery is the most as Monty said the most convenient way of making a electric car feasible to the masses in terms of its cost of production and cost that it can be to the end user which by the way is still too high in my mm. opinion yep no i agree with that and uh, to try and get more people to use their uh, or purchase electric vehicles you're finding more and more governments are giving initiatives maybe a discount on purchasing the car or they'll give tax perks free parking um, um congestion charges uh waived and stuff like that so there's other ways the governments are trying to woo the customers into buying the vehicles but i think i think the bottom line really is they are still so so expensive to buy from the world's go i mean a nissan leaf which is comparable to a um incised what nissan micra renault clio kind of size yeah, you still to Okay, so it's somewhere between there and a, um, an estate then. But um, we're still talking in excess of £30,000 for um, a car which uh, has, what, 160-mile range which at is, best? I mean, this. Well, we're talking from an English perspective. So England, for those who aren't from England, is what's called a rat's nest uh, in terms of its road network. Um, sure, you, if you're on the dual carriageway going from... You know, down where I am in Hampshire, you can get all the way to Scotland. Um, and there's about 400 miles, I want to say, maybe a bit more. Um, Sounds, yeah, yeah, about 440, I'd say. But you have the problems. If you want to, if you come off the motorways, you're in spaghetti <laughs> town, basically. <in> terms of, <laughs> of trying, yes. If you want to get, what as the, as the crow fry flies like 10 miles, you might have to do 20 um just due to the way that the roads around in this country ribbon um around fields and, <laughs> and ancient structures and post boxes and you know other other fun stuff like that i mean um, to be fair our roads were built 2000 years ago before uh, rulers were invented whereas american roads built 100 years ago uh, they they did have rulers so they could draw a straight line they just did it in uh, imperial instead of metric but still it's a straight line so it's still better than ours sam i mean down back up where you live um case in point it's to, to get out of the town it's uh it's it's a hard hard going task it's sam still here uh just about just about uh hello having a few issues with my internet but i'm still here so nothing changed then <laughs> no not really uh did you hear well, the question sam he has the best internet I no, I didn't. Okay, so when you try to hear, when, where, where you live, it is case in point of like just the the crowded nature of our our road network in this country. Yes, yeah. I mean, a plug-in electric vehicle would not work where I live purely because I can't guarantee when I'm actually going to be parked outside my own house. As silly as it sounds, so I don't know when I'm going to be able to charge it. Hmm. It's, yes, no, that, that's um, a very good point, actually. For, for a lot of properties in uh, the UK, they don't even have their own dedicated driveways. So, um, yeah, where do you store the car? How do you recharge the thing? I think we all just need to get in depth that. <laughs> Sorry, go on, Sam. I mean, that would be that would be the way, wouldn't it, really? Let's face it. If, it, if you could park wherever and it would charge the car, but it's not feasible to dig up every residential street in the country. Um, and especially when you consider as well that most households now have possibly two, sometimes three cars, mm -hmm. um, all of which will need to charge. Yeah, that's and that's a lot of requirements, um, not only on the infrastructure of the roads, on your driveways, but actually on the national grid line as well. We're, we're suddenly potentially trebling, quadrupling the use of the amount of power consumption. Uh, I think the bottom line is, is there actually enough power plants within the country to sustain that so this is obviously where the uh, the origin of the podcast came from was the fact that uh the fuel price at the minute is i think a record high or pretty close to it we're up there yeah absolutely in the in england we're currently looking at about one pound 70 which is about four trillion dollars for our american friends 
Uh, so one pound seventy per liter, by the way, America. Before you start thinking that's one pound seventy per gallon. Yep. So you, know, you you not only have a lower a lower numbered price, but it's also you get four times more for it. But you know that's that's, uh, that's world eco economic economics, people. So uh, all good fun. Um, but anyway, yes. So this has been part of a general trend that we've seen in the last six eight months of just well, some would say years, but. Um, just generally the price the cost of living i think it's generally known as uh the prices of electricity the prices of water the prices of fuel the prices of food everything has just been going up and up and up and up um due to a multitude of reasons you know covid has been one of them in this country brexit was part of it um in terms of just in where how we we source out our, our, our raw materials to due to the the globalization of the world um it's been a interesting task and now when it comes to electricity that is the big question is that yes you will eventually stop using fossil fuels and not have to import that anymore and not have to pay you know 60 percent of the price in tax but you instead will be moving that all that money onto the national grid which is already well known for not being um as future proof as others might think might want it to be and even though we have many, many, many fields in the UK now full of solar panels, it's just not cutting the mustard, is it? It's still not good enough. No. Um, and that's actually been an interesting take to see how Tesla has supported, particularly in America, with their, um, what do they call them? Their battery sales, where it's just like giant solar fields in the middle oh, of the desert yeah, to try and collect the power. Super, they call those super factories or something. Giga that's the one. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I mean, in that context, I can see how it's because this is what it comes down to again. It's about sustainability. So at least Tesla are investing as much into the uh, sustainability as to how do you power their vehicles as they are into building the vehicles for the consumers to use, which is great for America. Yes. Uh, it's, it's harder to replicate that in Europe and in the UK, especially as we're in cooler climates. Uh, there's nowhere near as much space as in America to put these giant buildings um, and nowhere near enough sun or daylight or cons rather consistent daylight throughout the year um, to perhaps harness solar energy as well remembering california florida etc they're much closer to the equator so they don't have a time difference you know it, it, the sun's always rising at seven it always sets at seven in the evening type thing whereas in the uk and the, the further away you get from the equator you may only have six hours of daylight in winter months 20 hours in the summer months how, again, sustainability. How do you make something consistent for your electric cars to run off, which isn't dependent off the government's power structure? That's the trouble, isn't it? I mean, could you imagine trying to run a solar farm in Norway? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, close from uh, August to April. Year. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. Work, isn't it? Um, but this is the thing as well. Like A lot of our power stations in the UK are still burning fossil fuels anyway. Yeah, so is there actually... And obviously... That's what I mean. So if I know obviously there's going to be a difference between, for example, running that power station to, to power houses and then having a car as well. But equally, the more is there is do we think the demand, the extra demand, if everyone had electric plug in cars, um, would be would outweigh that of how much more coal would have to be burnt to generate that electricity. Well, I mean which is obviously one, a finite resource, and two, just as bad. We don't have to look very back, far back about that at all, because when lockdown one happened, everyone started get working from home, uh, and some a lot of people bought computers and that sort of thing to, to run from their home, uh, well, their homes, literally. Um, straight away, we had power problems, we had uh, infrastructure problems from the grid and everything else. Um, and it's... Yeah, we're, we're not... Um, we're not structurally capable of a instant switch, and you mm. you might you might say no. that uh, the UK in particular has a lot of companies with vested interests um, to not invest as much as they maybe need to. Um, certainly, with the power companies, you know, is that the joys of uh, privatization is uh, how how um, you, instead of serving your customer, you are. Uh, end up serving your board members, but uh, that's a completely different... 
Well, I mean, it's a very valid point, actually, because um, accountants or bean counters, as a lot of people affectionately call them, uh, you know, everything is a compromise. And we're aware now you've got the CO2 tax, emissions, etc., etc., going on. Now, if an, accountant, if an accountant's responsibility is obviously to make sure that you either spend the least amount possible or if you have to spend something, get the best out of it. Obviously, if it comes to the profit, even better. But um, you know, if someone is given the choice of you've got to invest in these technologies so you're exempt from paying your CO2 tax or actually keep with your old tried and tested machine but you know it's cheap, to run, you don't have to invest any money into the startup expense of the new technology and just accept you've got to pay X amount per month in taxes instead. If that option comes out cheaper, then they're still going to carry on doing it that way. There's not enough reason or incentive for them uh, to move on to the newer, cleaner technologies. And unfortunately, as Sean says, money always talks. Let's uh, just uh, again through our friends on Wikipedia. Um... As of 2018, fossil fuels accounted for 150 terawatt hours of power. Um, renewables were just over 100 terawatt hours. Nuclear was about 70 kilowatt hours, and hydroelectric was around 10. So that's that is right. It's 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 very. It just shows how not necessarily dependent, but how important. Um, what location was this in, sorry? UK. This is the UK. Okay, yeah. copy that. Um, I mean, yeah, but I, I think that's the bottom line. For, for some countries, I can see huge benefits for this. For the UK, I think they need to dig deep. And what, whatever they do, what they're doing at the moment is not sustainable because never mind the global warming and CO2 emissions, etc., from fossil fuels – they're a finite resource, so they are going to run out anyway. They need to have a plan B in place. Um, I think it comes back to one of the original questions. Is now a good time to actually exploit that, given that there's a war making everything so uncertain as to where you're going to get your resources from? Is this actually now the opportunity for the UK government to go, bugger it, let's commit to this. We've got the resources in place. Yes, it's going to cost us a lot, but let's get it in place now because... The tried and tested method is at the point where it's we can't rely on it anymore. Then, then lies the question, which has been a bit a problem for the last few years, which is what do you commit to in the automotive, specifically in the automotive industry? You know, what do you commit to? Do you commit to battery cells? Do you commit to yep. hydrogen? Do you commit to I, I don't know guinea pigs? What what, <laughs> what is what is the most cost effective and also responsible? Thing to to look at no it's a very because, valid point batteries, actually batteries yeah as much as everyone likes to say oh they're so green they're not have you ever seen a battery mine uh, <laughs> yeah a lithium mine it's, it's awful it's like you, Horrific you, you, you see an oil um uh what's it called um Refinery or a rig? No, just, just yeah, just a rig. The, the sort of thing that goes up and down in Texas. You see hundreds of them, but you know, one of those is pretty minimal in terms of its impact visually on the environment. But then you see a strip mine, which is what a, a lithium mine is, and it just it's just this enormous crater um, mm. that it carves into into the into the side of a, a mountain or whatever it is, wherever they find what is again a limited supply of um, minerals. You know, limited you, but reusable supply which well, is a key difference they're reusable to an extent everything will deteriorate over time you don't have we don't mm. have when it comes to this the very i think it's um oh what is it there's 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 one that we just don't have enough of the in batteries which will which patience well that too <laughs> um, <laughs> but that yeah there are certain minerals which physically we could not make um enough electric vehicles to have the whole world on them it's it's but i can't remember what it is but it's i i i've i've been a not a not maybe a cynic is the right word of battery electric vehicles because i don't i don't believe in their long-term effectiveness you know I've, I've i've been doing rc cars since i was a child and batteries have always been rubbish 
<laughs> you know, they always they, they run out quickly. They they take energy to charge back up. They degrade over time, and you're left with a big block, which is not very useful. Um, I mean, this is it, isn't it? I mean, we all know from even from things like mobile phones. Yeah. Just the fact that um, the battery eventually it just wears out and it doesn't hold its charge well. They then have to charge it more often, which is using more electricity to charge it uh, with no benefit. And that's also, why you end up getting a new one, yeah, or in Sean's case, buying an old one off the internet. <laughs> um, well, uh, as Monty said as well, it's dependent also on the conditions that it's, it's taking its uh, its life in. You know, if it's in hot, super hot California, that's not good. If it's in okay. if it's in super cold Norway, also not good. It's very oh. um, uh, in terms of how it's in what in what its perfect scenario is. You know, mm. you, so you, I I present you with a possible solution: hydrogen. Hooray! My favourite thing. Hooray! It'll yes. Never, it might never happen. It's too expensive. Well, this is the trouble, isn't it? But I think if we can bring the cost down, I think that's probably the best solution, really, isn't it? The most abundant element in the... Is it the universe or the world? I don't remember. Well, it's both. But um, It's one and then the other, depending on how far you look. <laughs> um, so, essentially, a hydrogen... Fuel cell, that is the right term, isn't yes. it? Fuel cell would essentially generate electricity from hydrogen that is just either put in a tank, like you would with petrol, um, or, in an extreme example, in the air. It would be more difficult to get one that works off of what is in the air, because there's not as much of it. But it would be potentially doable. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's all... That's turning into sort of um, air compression, basically. That's a long way off as well, isn't it? I think, whereas filling a tank with hydrogen is much more doable. It's doable, but still a difficult task. I agree with you. I personally much prefer hydrogen over electric vehicles. And if we could find a way to make uh, hydrogen-powered cars more feasible, I I'd commit to that route over electric vehicles any day. That doesn't mean That's I'm... Correct you, Monty. Electric Hydrogen is still an electric vehicle. You mean a battery? Yeah. It would still have a an electric motor. It was just rather mm -hmm. than... Sorry, yes, yes. Apo apologies. Cell. Yes, no, uh, apologies. Yeah, so hydrogen fuel cell from... Well, let's try that one again. I would much rather see electric vehicles with a hydrogen fuel cell in them rather than a big battery. Yes. Uh, the... Yeah. It's, uh, no, not not necessarily. I thought you can have um, hydrogen combustion vehicles because that's what yeah. the um, that's, that's what Mazda have. Yes, exactly. Now, I, I assuming we're on about a hydrogen combustion engine, we're going to talk about everything. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, in that case, I'm going to shut up then for a second, so you can finish off the uh, hydrogen fuel cell on an electric vehicle then. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the biggest problem with the hydrogen arguments as we know it at the moment is the transportation and storage of the hydrogen. Because yes. hydrogen is has to be supercooled to, I'm not sure what it is, it's minus a lot. Um, the boiling point of hydrogen is minus 252 degrees Celsius. So, not very warm at all. Um, nope. Well, that's about the sort of temperature I like, so, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, and through that so it's actually perfect for you Sean. well yeah exactly that's what, what if, if it was that temperature and cloudy it would be fine oh yeah that's a summer's day in scotland just don't you know nah, that's, that's my norwegian roots right there um anyway but the fact that that's the biggest problem with hydrogen is that to transport it from wherever it's produced to get to the fuel station to get to the car you lose a massive percentage of it full stop and also therefore it's effective um energy release that it can give um, right because it just turns into gas and it's leaked out because hydrogen is lighter uh, is it lighter than air i can't remember uh, yes uh, yeah. yes if, if it's got a boiling point lower than it tends to be uh, a lighter uh, um 
my god what's wrong with my brain today it's a it's a lighter element <laughs> exactly yeah no no you're quite right it's just covid i've still got covid brain and mind fog and all that but yes no it's a lighter element compared to say just typical air and nitrogen and oxygen etc but uh, i mean to successfully store hydrogen uh, to a point where it doesn't leak out as much gas um but this is the issue, is you would need to store it in conditions between five to 10,000 PSI, or um, that's about one, uh, 350 to 700 bar. So, so that's, about inch, the, uh, that's about the same atmosphere as Jupiter. Uh, yes, exactly. Or to put it into more context for our audience, put it this way, you inflate your car tyres to about two bar, give or take. So we're talking about needing to store it in conditions with uh, 150 to 350 times more pressure than what's in your tyre. When you're storing that amount of pressure into a contained tank, that's why so much of it leaks out, um, because it's hard enough to do that in a rock-solid container which is permanently in place. Now we're expecting this container to be moving around, cope with all the physics of uh, of driving a car without it expecting to leak. More importantly, you're also expecting and that to withstand a, exactly withstand a 70-mile-an-hour crash because um, I've always said that driving a car is basically driving a death trap with a 50-litre petrol bomb in it. Now, all of a sudden, we've got something with a hydrogen bomb in it, and uh, we saw what happened to no, Japan in the 1940s for that. No, so. I'm not going to let you do that. It's of course like, you can. It's nothing like a, a, an atomic bomb. It's not like an atomic bomb, but if you still have hydrogen pressurised at 5,000 PSI and that suddenly ruptures and goes out, you're going to end up with a huge explosion. And that's something which needs to be considered as yeah, well. Yeah, it would be good. Go on. Rather than having any any kind of motor, let's just use that tank as a rocket. <laughs> Go find, find a different planet with uh, more resources. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now there we are. Yeah, that, that, that could work. That could work as well. Uh, <laughs> what vinegar and bicarbonate of soda? Oh yeah, do you remember those in like in secondary school? <laughs> There we are. We, we sorted yeah, out the issue, rocket, guys. The Vinegar is, and bicarbonate soda. The problem, there we is, are. the problem is you can't buy um, film capsules anymore. So, no, you can't. So it's, it'd be very difficult to have that on a mass scale. You know, sit uh, but, that, but it's not a single-use plastic because you can just keep refilling it. So Yes. So the EU will be fine with it. Yep, yep, yep. No, that, that would work. That would work then. <laughs> Plus it smells nice. <laughs> it smells like chips. Yeah, yeah exactly. Happy days. <laughs> well, if you like vinegar anyway. I like vinegar. Good. Uh, we had <laughs> we this know. discussion. Yeah, Monty, you're basically French, so you must love um, all this stuff. Ugh, not vinegar. <laughs> well, vinegar, I, I'll have it, but uh, I, I've got better tastes in uh, other things, so it's all good. As we mentioned at the start of this, um, few, uh, unleaded petrol and diesel are not the only alternative fossil fuels. Um, LPG, Correct. for example, has been going on for decades. Um, and... Uh, even if we do have to phase out certain stages of the um, petroleum industry, there are alternatives because obviously, you, as Monty said, we can run a, run cars on chip fat these days. You know, used uh, used oil. To uh, be fair, chip fat has been going around as long as uh, the diesel engine. Uh, Rudolf Diesel did originally invent the engine for exactly that intention. It was supposed to run off a variety of um, reject fuels, as it's known as, and. For as long as I've known, a Mark One Defender, some people will go and pour their chip fat oil into the car at, uh, after dinner and stuff like that, and they seem to work perfectly fine. Don't ask how. I, I know that it's very sketchy and would avoid all your insurance, but it has happened, and I know that a lot of people have done this as kind of common practice for as long as a combustion engine vehicle has been on this planet. Sam, your Nissan, which you used to have. Yes. Would it that would that have enjoyed having chip fat in it? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> but that's not a diesel. I, mean, shot. That, I no. could No, no, and this would be fair, I couldn't run it on ninety five octane either because it didn't <laughs> like it. I had to run it on ninety seven, so it was quite fussy. Um <laughs> but uh that's but no, that's it's a race it, engine Sam as we discussed ages ago. Well, as we discussed, yeah, yeah, that is a it is essentially just a racing engine, so that explains it. Absolutely. Um, 
I, I, I mean, jokes aside, um, I, I mean, with respect, Sean, that, that was a bit of a bad example there because we, we know that uh, Sam has a petrol engine. Petrols is a spark combustion. Uh, and in Sam's particular case, it's a very fussy engine because it's a highly tuned one, so that makes the parameters even narrower. A diesel... Okay. Is thermo combusted, yeah. isn't it? So it's that that was the, the benefits of it. I think you've had some some basically some buses, Monty, in your in your time of driving. <laughs> uh, yes, but again, all of them have been petrol oh, really? uh, rather than oh, diesel. Really? Yeah, no, the Toyota Previa that that's a petrol. It's a two point four liter petrol. The only diesel really I, I've driven regularly was um, either the, the Ford Transit when I used to rent that out for uh, the Motorsport Society at university um, and a Volvo V40 uh, in one of my previous work um, um, projects, shall we say. So um, I've not actually had that much hands-on experience with a diesel myself. Uh, but I do have a family background of, let's say, farmers. So from what I've picked up from my uncles who are in that industry, that they would vow for this, that um, just about anything which could catch fire, in theory, could be used as a replacement for diesel. Uh, and the engine will burn it because it's thermo-combusted uh, rather than spark-combusted. But as I say, it's a very grey area because it voids so many insurance policies. It goes against manufacturer warranties. But in theory, you could still pour your chip fat oil into a diesel engine car. And in theory, it could work on it because the properties are similar. It gets to a certain temperature. Boom, it catches fire. Um, what people are trying to do is to take it to the next step now you know we're trying to do this with um rather than with uh, secondhand chip fat oil uh, we're trying to do this with uh, biodiesels rapeseed oils mm-hmm. um or as you were saying before lpg mm. so um you know gas if you can make something uh run off gas that's much easier to produce much cleaner to produce than fuel because it's the vapor isn't it mm-hmm. um so even Exactly. The whole, the whole gas, well, the whole petroleum industry. You have, you, you remember the the images of the big, um, sort of containers at the bottom. You have um, stuff that makes asphalt and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's you have, right. Then you have diesel. Then you have jet fuel. Then you have calf petroleum fuel. And then mm-hmm. come, then out the top is where you get LPG and natural gas and that sort of thing. But exactly. It's, Precisely. Uh, it's it's. Yeah, the, 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 it's, it's all well and good. Everyone, all these eco wankers um, who say, "Oh, we must stop petrol, we must stop diesel," um, without looking at the wider picture. Um, what is the alternative? Because well, yeah, yeah. exactly, because everything will have a compromise to it. Um, you know, going back to the electric vehicle and the battery sales, for for example, there, uh, Sean, you make a very valid point of. Um, Yes, they produce no emissions, but the damage is now being done to the land because of the lithium-ion mines. Mm-hmm. One of the big questions, which I think a lot of people actually overlook, uh, particularly when it comes to um, debating on alternative fuels, should we say with uh, unleaded diesel, etc., or not, um, and I think this really gets overlooked, particularly as a reason as to why electric vehicles are a better option for the world, it's not many things I'll support for them, but this one I definitely will. It's much easier to control what is going on with the emissions with electric vehicles. So, as we know, oh, the EU, true. the UN, etc., we have a standard. Every country cannot produce more than X amount of CO2 emission per year based on population, etc., and what's going on there. We're doing, we're doing now, really well with that, by the way. Um, oh, I, 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 UK are basically on top of it. <laughs> in, in, in case you can uh, just uh, detect in Sean's uh, sarcasm there, last year the UK had exceeded its annual quota of CO2 emissions by the 7th of January. So, um, yeah, that, that's how good they're on top of it at the moment. However, just getting back to that point, though, how to control those emissions. So at the moment, let's say we have 30 million cars on the road, which apparently... A Ford Fiesta will do 60 miles per gallon, a Ford Transit will do 25 miles per gallon, and so forth and so forth and so forth. Are they actually doing that? Are the people who own these vehicles, are they maintaining it so they can 
perform as expected? Um, are they even driving it well enough to get uh, the, these kind of expected MPGs? Or have they made modifications to it, which is now producing not only consuming more fuel, but producing more CO2, nitrates, etc., etc., etc.? Pick me, pick me. I know the answer. Go on. It's no. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Whereas, I, I know this is purely hypothetical, but imagine if you had 30 million electric vehicles in the UK instead, you can guarantee that the vehicles themselves are producing zero CO2 emissions. They're they not consuming any fuel. That means from a government point of view or from controlling the CO2 emissions, you're not having to try and control 30 million cars or 60 million people to do the right thing. You're now focusing your attentions on 20 power plants around the UK. You're focusing your attention on three lithium iron mines. So instead of having to try and control 30 million different factors to get that target, you're now just focusing on, relatively speaking, a handful. And I think that really does get overlooked uh, as a major benefit to if everyone had an electric vehicle, is that controlling the CO2 consumptions would be much, much easier, which means getting to the targets which we have pledged is much more achievable. Yeah, that's all very valid. Um, hmm. Big rant from Monty there, see? No. Uh, this is what happens when I haven't joined a podcast for four months. I've got like all this pent-up energy, and I've just got to scream it into the microphone and bore the hell out of you guys and anyone no, who's it's, listening to me. It's, it's, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I'm just very against battery electric but that's oh no so 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 so, so am i i'm not, i'm not a big fan of battery electric at all i'm old school i'm a motorsport person i love combustion engines i've been to see formula e it's just you don't get that orgasmic pleasure from uh, watching them go around i need the sounds and all that to get a good kick out of this but that doesn't mean i can't recognize a positive to each thing either so uh, from my point of view I will be as positive as I will be critical because it's a debate at the end of the day, isn't it? Let's uh, during your your rant, as you call it, um, a rant as everyone else would call it. Um, you did. I was uh, taught to spoke properly as a children. You, you see, you were taught to spoke properly, were you? Oh, <laughs> as a children, yes. Um, Sam. Yes. Formula One is making a big fuss about E10 this year. Um, Tell me, Ugh. tell me, um, are, are Formula One the first sport to run e fuel, um, ethanol based fuel? I don't. Something, something tells me in the back of my mind they're not. I can't. Think no, of I don't think they are. I, I think. I, I think that, rug, um, rugby's been doing it for a while, haven't they? Rugby. <laughs> rugby. <Yeah. laughs> um, I mean, ethanol. That didn't uh, IndyCar used to run? Or was this uh, methanol? Um, Which one did well, they used to run in the nineties with the if, invisible flames? If only IndyCar like to remind us every single race that they currently run on E85. Yeah. Oh, and there we go. In the 90s, they used to run E85 with methanol as the other part of it. Ah. That was yeah. it, yes, Cause, yes. Because F1 is so, like, you know, it, in, the end, in, in that... vogue and on trend with that sort of thing, but oh, they, they can't possibly be 75% behind IndyCar. No. Which have a better sounding car, by the way. It does sound <laughs> wicked, the IndyCar. Um, but no, I think it's... This is the thing, isn't it? Context is is very valuable with stuff like this. And then obviously the... It's, it's the methanol that's the problem, really, isn't it? In the IndyCar fuel. That's why they have to spray the car before it leaves the pit lane, because they can't tell if it's on fire. Well, that's, why they um, got, that's part of the reason they got the 15% normal fuel in there. So yeah, there so you can flame. hopefully see a flame, yeah. Um, but they also but, have the, uh, that can, that can they, even if they went to E100, they can just put some uh, some different chemicals in there, which will make a which will burn. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, that's the main safety problem with those types of fuel, isn't it? Is the clear flame. But like you said, there's ways. Of, there's very easily to, to do easy to do ways to get around that. Um, I, I think that's probably realistically that's a better way. In the short term, it's probably a better way of, of achieving what we what Formula One and motorsport generally is probably looking at doing. Yeah, this this um, goes back to our original point about um, different 
solutions for different countries because the reason that IndyCar couldn't do this is because they've got st enormous states um, which can just make corn. Is it cornstarch? Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, is it Iowa? Yeah, Iowa. It, no, I would say Iowa. Yeah, is is famous for it. Just cornfields, as far as the eye can see. I, I mean, corn is a commodity in uh, America, though. But that's kind of going more into a tax debate there. But uh, I mean, they they, they they discount it because corn is in everything. It's in their fuels. It's a replacement for sugar syrups as well over there. It's they they live and run off corn on so so many things over there. So for them, they can make it work. It's a sustainable fuel yeah, to implement true. into motorsport. Whereas, I mean, that's the trouble. We don't have the space to do that in well, the no, UK. No, no. We, uh, we, if, All the if seasons. We wanted, if we wanted, we could just get rid of Wales and turn it into a big farm. And then we could run yeah, we'll our just, entire um, UK car industry on... Um, we'll rename it Speedway Fuels UK. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, I mean... To be fair, Wales is a big farm as it is. It's just leaks as far as the eye can see. <laughs> leaks, lol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you... <laughs> um, <laughs> bah. Uh, anyway so um but that's the thing so the uk and maybe japan you know small country um which don't have space for these vast plantations um of uh basically vegetables uh they they can't look at the e85 and that sort of thing for their mainstay fuel no and the only way to go down that route would then be to import it which is carbon costly as well carbon costly just costly full stop um yeah it, it stops the country being independent um in the uk we i mean everyone jokes that we should just uh run our cars off rain and wind because we've got loads of that um true, very true but i mean to be fair is running it off of hydrogen Water is part oh, hydrogen. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a hydrogen combustion engine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, let's so in theory, yeah, let's, let's move on to that. Let's talk about um, the other hydrogen, which is, of course, no, sorry, not other hydrogen. The other engine, which is synthetic fuels, mm -hmm. which our friends at Porsche is... are currently trying to um, commoditize. Yes, Porsche are pushing forward with this, really, aren't they? And they want to. They've actually said that if. Formula One supports it, they will join Formula One. They're that in they're that keen on synthetic fuel. Um now I don't know what can they do with world endurance? I know they're coming back into the uh LMDH category. Are they could they could they run that on synthetic fuel in theory? Depends what the rules are in IMSA. True. That's true. Um but in the in world endurance, in theory, no, they could run no that, couldn't they? they can't. I, I, no. I don't. I don't think that Toyota, maybe Ferrari. Um, I don't think that the competitors would complain about that because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's just a fuel no. provider. Exactly. Yeah, and I think most of them have had, will have different fuel providers anyway, won't they? Because different types of car will require different well, options of fuel. Well, Shell, for example, who are obviously Ferrari's supplier in everything. Mm. Um, there's no way they're not already looking at alternatives in terms of, oh, 100%. of synthetic fuels or um you know well <laughs> i mean put it this way shell when i was looking at my, my broadband deals were happy to, to give me a telephone package so um <laughs> so they're, they're definitely uh or, or was it my gas and electric i don't remember but it was it was it was something stupid that, that you just wouldn't think of them being in that sector but there's no way that one of the biggest oil companies in the world isn't looking at ways of keeping oil as a um, as a source of revenue. What well, no, the oil exactly. companies should be doing is what the tobacco companies have done instead, accepted that uh, their time is coming to an end and find another way in how they can still make themselves relevant. Cough, cough, Marlboro, Mission, Winwo. They're gone now, aren't they? Exactly. Winow, Winwo, Winow, Winow, whatever you want to call it. The irony being that once they've got rid of yeah. that, Ferrari started winning again. Yeah. Exactly. Which, uh, see, cigarettes hold you back. <laughs> there you go. You um, just going back half a subject, though, guys. Because yep. synthetic fuels is a very new subject, really, for a lot of people. So how would you guys define a synthetic fuel? I don't know. I would say a synthetic fuel would be something that can run 
a relatively conventional ICE. Conventional would that, ICE. Would, would that be fair? I think that would be fair, wouldn't it? A fairly like you'd have to modify bits and pieces, granted. But I think it needs to be a relatively conventional combustion engine. Yeah, no, I, I I'd go with that actually. Um, that, that that's loosely exactly what what it's all about here. Um, I, I've actually just found a cracking quote from a Bosch's website. Uh, permission to quote it. Bish bash Bosch, go for it. Okay, so what's uh, so synthetic fuels? Synthetic fuels do not mean a choice between fuel tank and dinner plate, whereas biofuels do. And if renewable energy is used then synthetic fuels can be produced without the volume limitations that can be expected in the case of biofuels because of factors such as the amount of land available. You don't need these elements to create the synthetic fuel. Uh, that's a very good point, actually, isn't it? Because that's this, the other thing to think about is all of these, in going back to the um, ethanol from corn that yep. they use in America, all of the farms in the UK that currently produce corn Presumably, mm -hmm. most of that is going on the dinner plates like, rather than in the fuel tank to be food. If exactly. it all suddenly becomes fuel, then, then what are we left with? Yeah, then we can't eat. <laughs> Precisely. Okay. Oh, well, I mean, that's fine, but you're a vegetarian, so at some point <laughs> you've got to catch up and start eating your corn, man. But no, I, I think Bosch make a, a very good point there. That is the bottom line. This is instead of being forced into the choice of does this go into your fuel tank or dinner plate, remove that argument. Because it says here that synthetic fuels are made solely with the help of renewable energies. So, for example, in the first stage of production, they use hydrogen, water. Then they mix up carbon uh, to produce the liquid fuel. So they basically got CO2 right there. And then what they're doing is this carbon can then be recycled from industrial processes um, or even captured from the air using filters. So by combining CO2 and H2, then it allows them to create the synthetic fuel, which can then be implemented into traditional gasoline, diesel, ga um, liquid, oh my God, normal gases, or even kerosene-type fuels. And from an engine performance point of view, no difference you're not having to make a modification there it's the fuels that you're focusing on instead yeah. i think that's really clever it is very clever and to go sort of a bit gcse chemistry for a minute if you Please think of petrol is is what we would call a hydrocarbon isn't it which yes. means it's hydrogen and carbon mm -hmm. now obviously if you take co2 you can take co2 in to this process rather than necessarily give it out mm -hmm. and water and take the hydrogen from H2O and the carbon from CO2, you're left with just oxygen. Ta-da. Job done. Uh, job done. Then in 50 years' time, we get told off that we produce too much, uh, too much oxygen and we're all now going to die from oxygen poisoning. Yeah, damn yes. it. We, need, we yeah. need to cut down all the trees. Ah, <laughs> uh, damn it. <laughs> yeah. That would be a nice problem to have then, actually, almost yeah, too much oxygen. Because then we could burn the wood and the, burn, the, the fire would be enormous because there'd be so much oxygen in the atmosphere. Yeah, uh, and that so, would level it out and then we'd have a carbon issue again. Yeah, that's okay because <laughs> we, we can just balance it. Yeah. Everything in life is a compromise, guys. It's a, it's a controlled burn. Which is why Everything. everyone should own sports cars. Yes. <laughs> and now we're talking. Um, <laughs> but by the sounds of it as well, because it is just a hydrocarbon, realistically you can just put it in any car. There's yeah. like it would whatever hydrocarbon it's set up as whether it ends up with sort of like I said more petrol or more diesel or whatever um, you could just put that in a fairly conventional car and it would work um, which I think is the key thing isn't it whereas with LPG it requires a conversion mm -hmm. which is costly in the outset um, hydrogen obviously is going to have to be a completely bespoke car the same with electric. Whereas synthetic fuels seems to be a good way of uh, bridging that gap and being able to keep the car that someone can't necessarily afford to replace on the road. The problem is that PR and marketing and whatever else is not on the side of internal combustion full stop. Well, this is the trouble, isn't it? Um, but because, because I think... Especially the UK government is so bloody slow. 
to react to anything, even if it's a good idea. They, they'll go, hmm, we need to do some research. It might take us all, we'll come back to you in 20 years. Um, yeah, by which point everyone else has done it and we're still digging exactly. back to Unfortunately, a lot of the PR companies over here will still see fuel as being a uh, a rich old white man, and so uh, it will still tell everyone how cool, hip, and uh, relevant it is. The reality is that everyone else is going, no, no, we we need to move with the times. But as you say, it would take them twenty years before they catch onto the notion of we need to do something now. Well, that's the problem. Is that, you know, the battery electric vehicle, which is kicking off at the minute. You know, it won't, it won't. How long until people do start to realise the problems which come from that? You know, with the the waste disposal, with the amount of energy and damage that it does in its manufacture, the amount of um, worldwide travel the batteries have to take for in order to actually get into your car in the first place. How, how, people will just like blink at themselves to that and go, oh, but you know, Elon Musk is cool. I want a Tesla. You know, it's just a fashion thing at the end of the day. It's, there's no, there's no benefit whereas the problem with synthetic fuels and you know whatever you end up calling them they're on they're currently because of the diesel gate scandal largely they're, uh, yes seen as more um polluting and unpopular even though they might not necessarily it's and the thing is that the amount the amount of shit that the automotive industry gets for 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 this is nothing compared to you know the uh, transportation, shipping, planes. You know, it's it's it's, it's, it's such a hypocrisy that we're that mm. we're the ones that have to take the cost um, to fix a problem, which and set the example well yeah there's that's let's put the large points that you have the large countries such as america such as china such as india with you know the the, the bigger countries which are, have very populous populations which are going to have to basically leapfrog everyone if if, if we, we're not going to have an effect um the interesting UK... thing though that i think is worth remembering with a lot of battery uh, electric vehicles is a lot of them at the moment are not necessarily old enough to require a new battery yet. But interestingly enough, do you know how much um, a new battery just in parts would be for a Tesla Model 3? 20 grand. Ooh, so I, I... Just, just the battery itself, not any fitting, which bearing in mind where it is on a Tesla is basically disassemble the entire car well, to get to it i know that on old renos it was like for a twizzy it was six grand it's nine thousand pounds wow and that's for the standard if you have the long range it's eleven thousand pounds yep that's i can believe because renault charge uh people six and a half to seven grand just for a new battery yeah um and that's they're without... not cheap are they well, this is the thing, and that's that's just the for the battery itself. That's without actually having to take the body off of the car to get to the battery. Uh huh. Um, but there is also another question to be had on there: How frequent are these battery changes having to be? Because actually, well, if that's once every ten to fifteen years, ten well, years. How many thing. people have um, a car for ten years? Well, that's 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 true. But equally, how many people drive a ten-year-old car? Me, mine's twenty-two, just past seventeen. There you go. Zero advisories. There you go. <laughs> I mean, mine's maybe a bad example, but how old is your car, Monty? Uh, I would like to own a car at the moment, uh, okay, <laughs> to fine. be honest. I mean, my car... <laughs> Have you got rid of the Fiesta? Oh, God, Frankie left before I went off um, galvanting around the world a couple of years ago. How, oh, how, old was, how old was it before you got rid of it? Uh, Frankie was four years old at okay. the time of selling. Okay, ha okay, Sam, we'll go back to your cars then. So your Datsun... Yeah, that? that was a that was a two thousand and three. Right, I I sold it in twenty twenty. So my um, newest car I've ever owned was my Alfa Mito, and that was ten years old when I bought it. There you go. Right now, if you were buying that, you would probably need to get a new battery for it if it was electric. Um, and in terms of mileage, this is from Tesla. They estimate, and this is quite vague as well, to be honest, between one hundred eighty six thousand and three hundred ten thousand miles. So 300,000 kilometers. What's, what's your number? Uh, so that's a 200,000 mile fluctuation. 
Yes, so 186 to 310,000. Oh, apologies, 186. Okay, so 100,000 mile fluctuation in the battery life. Yes. That's Um, sketchy. That's also Uh, ridiculous. There's no way that's that's ever going... Even the the lower number, that's a colossal number. 186,000 miles. Yeah, remember, a, a bat- lithium-ion degrades through age, not through distance. It doesn't matter how many... T- actually, in some ways, by... Uh, re- by re- no, it degrades more through age rather than through charging. If you recharge a laptop or your phone at regular intervals and keep it conditions, it will last much longer. So actually, more frequent recharging, as so long as you don't let it drain to 0% and you don't keep it constantly plugged in at 100%, actually, that is feasible. But if you're plugging in your car every single night, so you're going to, it's going to be going up to 100% every night. But you're conditioning it. You're you're still doing a full cycle of its charge that's keeping the lithium-ion active, is actually, which is the key difference. This is a point, actually. If you do have an electric car, you should let it, not necessarily get down to zero, obviously. Yeah, but, but let, let, it, it, let it run the to, charge. You should get down to kind of 5% before you put it on charge again. Exactly. Um, because otherwise, like Monty said, you can not overcharge it because it won't let you overcharge it, but it ruins the life of the battery if well, you keep just, it plugged that's in. That's just thinking about trickle charging versus fast charging. No, 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 no. It's still the same thing. If you actually exercise a battery, so let it go from full charge down to nearly flat, you're actually, um, that's a chemical reaction. That's you actually using the components, the materials in there. The problem with a lot of batteries dying, particularly on laptops and mobile phones, is people just leave them plugged in the wall. So they're constantly at 100% or they're constantly dead. And so what happens is the battery doesn't exercise. And so it, it can't hold its charge anymore. There's a much more scientific way of describing it but for layman's terms i'm trying to keep it relevant for people to understand this um but um i I mean my smartphone i got it in 2015 and it's still on its original battery now i know seven year old smartphone that's another subject in its matter but one of the reasons why i've been able to keep the battery going for as long as it has and it's still maybe it's lost maybe an hour's difference in longevity from when it was brand spanking new to now, which is, you know, that's still 26 hours of use I can get out of one charge from it. So it's still a very healthy battery, and a lot of that was contributed from I would use the charge. Once it was at 100%, I'd take it off charge and let the battery run down again, again, to keep the lithium-ion replenish, I guess you could say, to keep it active, to keep it um, working, so it can keep itself lasting for longer. Rant over again. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, it turns out that electric vehicles aren't as simple as they uh, like to say on their um, their spec sheets. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Nothing is as simple as uh, people like it to be. We make ourselves believe when something is simple. We want ourselves to believe that a smartphone is simple. We want ourselves to believe that the laptop we use or the tablet we use is simple. We want to believe that that toaster that we use every morning is simple. My toaster is simple. It's fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> it, it, it does not know how to cook toast. <laughs> everyone, I think the bottom line is everyone knows how to turn on something, but with respect to people it does take a bit of commitment to maintain something and to make it last and that doesn't go for an electric vehicle an electric appliance why do we have companies like the aa and rac they're supposed to be there for example for most cars to help you when you're broken down how many times do you get people phoning them up because they don't know actually how to replace their own tire when they have a puncture that's not really what their purpose was for. We have a manual for that. That's something which, as a car driver, we should know how to maintain our own vehicles. But people don't see a car like that, do they? It's, it's um, for a better word, it's uh, a want. I want to have this thing because it's part of my image. They like being seen in their car, but they don't like the, the maintaining bit of it, which maybe 50 years ago... There was a bit more respect for that. Cars were less reliable then. There was a much bigger factor on taking responsibility. Look after your car and your car will look after you. Well, no, 50 years ago, it would have been the case of look after your car and it might not break tomorrow, but it will the next day. Okay, there's an element to that as well. (laughs) But but again, it it comes back to what I was saying earlier. It's about uh, making it as simple as possible for the consumer. And the simpler it is, uh, the more appealing it's going to be to the consumer. 
And from the consumer's point of view, they don't actually care about what they need to maintain on it. Nine out of ten questions which you will ever get asked about a product are TFM. You know, if they had just bothered to read the manual that came with their product, they would have been able to advance the question themselves. But instead, they have to go into Google search. They have to go and contact uh, the the, um, the maintenance dealership for their fridge, for their car, for, for their computer. They, they don't want to do the research themselves anymore. They just want the answer to be given to them on a plate right now, even though the answer is there for them, if they were willing just to look at it. So that... for exactly precisely that so i think it's unfair to have that argument and uh, to say that an electric vehicle is harder to maintain than what people were expecting because it's no different to maintaining a car at the moment and the reality is if you don't know how to maintain your electric vehicle well like most people do their petrol cars at the moment anyway they're just going to chuck 150 quid at some mechanic at quick fix and go sort my shit out for me because they can't be bothered to work out how to do it themselves. Yeah. That's not the car's issue. That's not the manufacturer's issue. That's your issue. Exactly. And that's, we, that's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, we've now reached an hour, so I think we're, <laughs> we're, we've done well. I think Three we're, rants in an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be back, guys. The, uh, <laughs> back, back in action. Uh, do we have any Incidentally, Go on. just, yeah, can I just finish off with some, uh, some geography stuff? Oh, yeah. So... Ooh. So, I've just Googled purely, like, admittedly, this oh, well, is a very... You, you didn't use an atlas, Sam. You had to Google it. I had to Google, yeah. Uh, <laughs> See, my point proven. Thank you. Uh, so, I have just Googled two things. The first one is, where is my nearest public charging station? Yep. Uh, the, it's at the other end of the town. Okay. Now, granted, it's in a supermarket car park, but it's still at the other end of the town I live in. Um, my nearest, would you like to, however, I have also looked at the LPG stations. Now my nearest LPG station is a 45 minute drive away. <laughs> That's still closer than my nearest LPG station to be fair, Sam. Mine is a boat ride across the channel away. <laughs> That's, a fair, that's a fair point, yeah. But I have to essentially go into London to get LPG. Which is St Albans. My God! A, there used to be an LPG station in my town, but no one had it, so they got rid of it. Yeah, well, I think this is possibly the issue of just there's a lot of these sort of in inverted commas solutions. There's just no infrastructure to help them, and that's and the bottom line. Infrastructure, it just doesn't work. So exactly, Richie, if you if you're listening, firstly, thank you for the five p off fuel. They made such a big difference. Um, mm. But now spend all of that money and I'll put and just make some hydrogen stations and then give me a car, please. Um, Job on, done. Yeah, so there you go. Um, the, so, so the long story short is um, synthetic fuels, we want them, that we're not going to get them. Also, oh, actually, this is a good point that we could finish off on. It's a little bit mock the week, but it is what it is. Um, okay, now, Dara. See when, what when... we'd like to see. <laughs> uh, when, when he announced that, did you see that almost immediately after... The duty dropped. He went and filled his car up. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Legend. The cheeky, the cheeky git. Uh, so he knew that was coming. Hasn't filled his car for a few weeks. Wait, Let whoa, that run whoa, whoa, right now. That's, that's not very conservative of him. You know, normally he no, gets, I know. Gets the butler to do it for him. Well, exactly. But he's fired the butler and he's oh, driving sorry. a Kia. So oh, must must be a must be a cut thing. Yeah, if you believe it's just Kia, some people are saying that they just got the petrol attendant to bring his car out into the forecourt and get a picture of him filling it up. Oh, hang on, no. I mean, no, yeah. surely Kia is a bit of a, a, a bit of a tongue-in-cheek thing for a conservative to have. It's a, bit too, it's a bit too Asian for a conservative, what, isn't no, it? No, what, do, what does what does Kia sound like? What Kia Starmer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has a Kia Rio Starmer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, you should get a Kia Stinger. Uh, yeah, it's even closer to Starmer, isn't it? Yeah. Although, to be fair, my, my respect of them would go up if he had a Stinger GT, to be fair. For, so for the, buy one for, of them. For those in the UK who don't know who Kia Starmer is, neither do we. Um, and on that bombshell, we're going <laughs> to end, end, the, <laughs> end, end the podcast. Thank you very much to Monty and Sam for joining me. Always a pleasure. As always, the pleasure has been all yours, guys. As always, mate. Um yeah, give us a follow on Stelvio Auto at Stelvio Auto on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, 
Reddit. <laughs> yeah. For um, more of the same hard hitting satire you just heard at the end there, yeah. follow Sam Green Race Engineering or JJ Monty. Is it JJ Monty 40? I can't remember what it is. Monty, what is it at the moment? My God, guys. Oh, it's been so JJ long since last year. JJ Racing 14. Yes. There we go. He's got it. I remember that one. That's all good. Yes. Um, Monty, you're going to be doing some, some good old Twitchy stuff this, this year. So that'll be fun for everyone to watch. Yep, absolutely. More Twitch and esports coming on. I have still been doing a load of racing over the winter, just not with uh, the Twitch. There's been a big plan coming up, so keep an eye on the Facebook and Insta pages. Look for Racing Mont on uh, Instagram. Uh, there are some big announcements coming up soon. There is a summer season of Twitch racing coming up, guys. And Montyisms. Can't forget the Montyisms. But it's it's not been a good day with Monty if I haven't at least offended twelve billion people. <laughs> That's a lot of people. Nah, it's not too many. I've done more before in the past. Twelve, 12 billion. Yeah. Would it be? That that basically means that I offend everyone on the planet twice a day. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Exactly. So, well, it's not too bad. I mean, we've done that to whales just in this podcast. Just like just saying, get rid of them. But, uh, you, you're quite right. I was harsh to Wales. Wales jokes aside, like I, I know that, that you have beef with England. I'm not ang actually English. Okay, there's no English blood in me at all. I, I do support you guys when it comes to rugby. Just to show how much I uh, support you guys. Look, Italia, I, I'll sing. Italia, Italia. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Look, come on, let's make it all neutral. Let's support Wales here. Right, say I'm going to sing the Welsh national anthem on the bomb show. We're going to end the show. See you later. Goodbye. Uh...